it to see and experience freedom in the house of God. And I just really felt with Noel leading worship, that little bit at the end, it was just almost like lifting off the lid of limitation. And it's great that, that it's, it's, it's like Noel feels more at home each time he comes back. And thank you for the love that you show to Noel uh, as a, a friend and as part of our church family as well. So uh, bless you, Noel, and let's continue just to be led by the Spirit. I think it's very um, relevant that today, Remembrance Sunday, that we are continuing our series, Warrior, because we're remembering many warriors who laid down their lives, men and women as well, because you know both played a, a vital role uh, in fighting for freedom. And of course, for us as Christians, we know Jesus is the ultimate warrior. It says in the scriptures that no greater love than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. And so you need to know whatever your concept of God, whatever your perspective, you're a friend of God. God loves you. And God wants you to know him more closely. And so I want to encourage you to do that because no one else can do that for you. My mum and dad can't do that for me. My grandfather can't do that for me. You know, no one else can do that for me. We have to do that personally. It's a personal response. It's a personal choice. As we respond and we spend time with God, as we listen to him, as we speak to him, we get to deepen that relationship. Well, today, as we carry on this series, Warrior, um, we're going to be honing in and looking at the life of David and uh, also covering and touching uh, the mighty men as well. David carried out some amazing exploits uh, in the Bible. He'd done some amazing things. But these weren't possible by himself. He needed others to achieve those great exploits. And, and first of all, I want to start off by saying that we need one another. Like, I know that in this season, there's been a lot of isolation. Uh, and I know that for many of you, um, you actually started to enjoy your own company, which, which is not a bad thing. It's good. We need to be at peace with ourselves, but not at the expense that we start isolating from other people because you're created for community. You are created for connection. And so we see with David, he achieved lots of amazing things, but he needed others around him. And we've you know, mentioned this quote a few times uh, recently. It's the African proverb, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, travel together, go with others. That God is calling us, he's, he's highlighting in this time the importance of community. And I think that when you go through hardships and adversity, it becomes more evidence of the importance that we need one another. And when we look at the life of David, we, we come across these men that, that are referred to as the Giborim, or the mighty men. And so we're going to be looking at, at some of their lives, and if you want to 
know where the biblical reference is. If you look in 2 Samuel 23, 1 Chronicles 11 and 12, you'll come across these band of brothers, these very loyal, powerful heroes who stood with David. There's actually 37 mentioned uh, in Samuel. And then in Chronicles, you'll find a further 16 um, listed as well. They each accomplished outstanding military exploits in combat. And they adopted their role of protecting the king and fighting for the freedom of their nation. Now, uh, for those of you who like to watch uh, your mu movies, who, who here has ever seen the movie Lord of the Rings? Okay, in Lord of the Rings, you see this very uh, evident battle, this fight that goes on between light and darkness. And there's a character in that movie called uh, Legolas. And uh, in one battle, he kills like 42 orcs, which are like very ugly enemies. It was an amazing um, exploit. But, but I want to say this, that the mighty men, that we're going to be you know, looking at briefly today, that, that uh, spoke about in the Word of God, what they did was so much more than what Legolas did. Okay, So let's have a look at a few of those characters. We have Jashabim. It says that he took out 800 bad guys at once with a spear. How many of you think that's pretty impressive? <laughs> that's pretty good, isn't it? 800, that's a lot of men. Um, Eliezer, it says that he stayed on the battlefield, you know, when others fled. You know, when, when times get tough, that's when you get to find out what people are really made of. It, it's not during the easy times. We can all be glory hunters when everything's going well. But, but when things start heating up, when there are cha challenges, when there's difficulties, that's where you find out what people are really made of. And there's a battle going on, and the, you know, they're fighting the Philistines, and a load of the men clear off, and the soldiers run away. But, but this guy, uh, Eliezer, he stays with David, and, and he battles, and they fight together, and he's fighting so much, so intensely, at such uh, a length of time that it says that his, his hand froze to the sword. We have another character that we come across called Shammah. This character was mentioned a bit last week. Uh, he was the one who, who had his lentil field. And uh, it wasn't a big patch. It wasn't a big territory. But it says that he stood in the middle of his lentil field. And he's like, enemy, you are not taking this lentil field. And he stood and he defended his territory. And I want to say this because I believe that God has given to each and every one of us a lentil field. It might not be a big patch, but it's a significant patch that God has given us to defend as warriors in the army of the Lord. And I want you to know today, as we're doing this series about warrior, you know, you might be saying, oh, well, that's great, you know, for other people that are warriors, but I'm not a warrior. Well, I want to say to you that you are a warrior. Now, you might not always think it, you might not always feel it, you not, might not always act that way, but you are a warrior. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and encourage them and say, you are a warrior. You see, because there's something about us getting a revelation about who we are. 
you know, sometimes we like we focus on the, the actions and the behavior stuff, but actually we need to start with identity. We need to start with who we are. What's the truth about who we are? We are warriors. That is part of our calling and purpose. Uh, we also come across what's known as the three. Kind of reminds me a little bit of the three musketeers. But David refers to the three. And there's this scene in 2 Samuel 23 where David is craving a drink of water. And he's really thirsty. And uh, I don't know what your favorite drink is. But David was craving some water from this well in enemy territory. And he's like, oh, I really fancy. I'm craving for a drink of water from that well down by Bethlehem. And three of these guys in his army overhear David saying this. And they're like, hey, why don't we get together and break into the enemy territory, to break into the Philistine camp, and go and get David some, some of his favorite drink? So that's what they do. They go into enemy territory. I mean, it's like the equivalent of they said, hey, let's go into ISIS's camp. <laughs> I mean, you know, let's go into Taliban territory. I mean, this was like crazy stuff. This was like, some would say foolish, others would say courageous, but that, you know, their hearts were right that they were like, hey, how amazing would it be that, that one day people would tell this story? And that's what they did. They went into enemy territory and they got some water and they bring it back to David. And they think that David's just going to, you know, crack that can open and <laughs> enjoy that drink. But you know what David did? His response in that moment, he was like, oh my goodness, this is way too precious to drink. And it says that he poured it out on the ground. Let's have a look at that in Scripture in 2 Samuel 23, 17. I'm using the New Living Translation for this verse. And it says this, the Lord forbid. This is David speaking. It says, the Lord forbid that I should drink this, he exclaimed. This water is as precious as the blood of these men who risked their lives to bring it to me. I wonder what extent you would go for your leader. I wonder what extent you would go to for the king of the universe, because he is our ultimate leader. Now, perhaps you might think that, what a waste that these men would go for all of that trouble to go and get a water only for David to pour it out. What a waste of their time, what a waste, you know, David... But I actually believe that neither was a waste. I don't believe it was a waste, those men going into enemy territory. And I don't think it was a waste, David pouring out the, the drink on the ground. I think that actually what we see is really expensive worship. And actually, if you look in the Bible in Genesis 35, you read about a drink offering. This is the first time in the scriptures that you'll come across where it talks about a drink offering. And Jacob after he'd been through a really tough time, been through a major adversity, major difficulty, a shift in his character and his nature where he's actually given a new name, Israel. God changes his name, and it says that he poured out a drink offering to God. 
You see, I think that when those guys saw David pouring out the drink, it wasn't like, oh my goodness, what are you doing? What a waste. In that moment, they saw the heart of their leader. But it was like, whoa, he could have just like carnally drunk this as quick as he could and and that would have been it. But they're like, whoa, he saw this as such an expensive, holy gift that he poured it out as part of his worship. And I don't think it was wasted that those three men uh, went into enemy territory and say, well, that was just a waste of time, wasn't it? We risked all that for nothing. No, it showed their heart to David that there was such loyalty that they had for their leader that they were willing to lay down their very life for something very small. And I think that David would have thought, There's no, I can't look at these three men in the same way ever again. But because they have been faithful in the small, I know that I can trust them with so much more. I want to ask you today, are you being faithful in the small? Whatever God's put in your hands, whatever he's told you to do, as we're faithful in the small, God will give us more. And I believe those guys would have experienced promotion. I believe that David would have reserved special duties for those three men because what they did that day. And God is looking for a, a people that will rise up, that we're willing, not only to live for the cause, but it's so important to us that we would be willing to lay down our very lives. And we know that in many nations around the world, that is happening, that people are lying, laying down their lives because they will not deny Jesus is their saviour. God's calling us to a higher level of commitment. Let's have a look at a few other characters that we come across. Abishai, this was uh, one of David's commanders who defeated 300 men and took out the son of a giant. We have Benaniah. He served as a leader of David's bodyguards. He killed two Moabite heroes and an Egyptian giant who was seven and a half foot tall. I love the bit about where it says that on a snowy day, he jumped into a pit and he killed a lion. How many of you think that's a courageous warrior right there? Uh, you know, there was no way out and the conditions were not ideal, but there Ben and I was, he was jumping in the heart of a lion. And we also have Jonathan who was known for killing a 12-fingered giant. Sometimes it's interesting that the little details that you see in the Bible. First Chronicles 12, verse 1 to 2 says this. Now, these were the men who came to David at Ziklag. While, listen to this, while he was still a fugitive from Saul, the son of Kish. And they were among the mighty men, helpers in the war, armed with bows, using the right hand and the left in hurling stones. Interesting, isn't it? Hurling stones. Who else liked to hurl stones? It's interesting how like attracts like, isn't it? They hurled stones and shooting arrows with the bow. They were of Benjamin, Saul's brethren. And 
all of these details are meaningful because here it's, it's saying that he was even attracting people from the rival families and rival tribes. Because Saul, who was the king, who was very jealous of David, who wanted to take David out, who sought to, to, to kill him. Here it's saying that people were drawn to David even from his enemies, from enemy families. This is amazing. Here we see that David was basically a magnet. He was attracting, he was drawing people in. He was a magnet for the so-called nobodies. Here we see that even when he was considered a fugitive, even when he was seen as a rebel, even though he didn't have a palace, even though he didn't have a title, there was this attraction. Now, now why, why was it that these people were being drawn to him? Many of them considered rejects, misfits, out, you know, outcasts. He attracted men struggling with life in financial crisis, those who wanted more out of life. Let's have a look at another passage of Scripture. 1 Samuel 22, 2 says this, Then others began coming, men who were in trouble or in debt or who were just discontented. So, again, David's drawing in. There's this magnetic anointing upon his life. But many of them came with resources, with bows, with stones, with armor. Now, why was it that David was drawing in these people? Now, I believe it's because the anointing will attract. And if you are a Christian, if you are a believer today, you need to know you are anointed. You are anointed by God. But I don't believe that the only reason David attracted was because he is anointed. I believe that it was also about his character and it was about his heart. David drew these people in. And, and I want to share some of those reasons why I feel David drew, drew them in. David saw great potential in those that came to him and he affirmed it. David saw great potential in those that came to him and he affirmed it. So how did he do that? He did it through showing genuine love, through, through care, through affirming their value, through heartfelt encouragement. He modeled this example of compelling humility, servanthood, and he empowered those who had been overlooked and rejected by others. He didn't rule them out because of their past mistakes or because of their weaknesses, but he believed in these men and he fought with them and for them and he entrusted them with responsibility. Now, here's the first point that I want to make today. And if you're taking notes, I encourage you to write this one down. Warriors see the great potential in others and affirm it. Warriors see the great potential in others and they affirm it. Let me ask you a question today. When you look at other people, do you see problems or do you see potential? Do you focus on their past mistakes or do you consider their future ministry? Sometimes... I think that we can see that potential and the gifting in others, but we don't always affirm it, that we, that we hold it back. But I want to say to you that if you see stuff in other people, if you see strengths, if you see 
you know, areas of gifting and calling. Don't hold it back. Share it. I believe that as the body of Christ, we need to be better at sharing encouragement with others. Here's the thing. It doesn't cost you a penny. I was down, uh, down the gym. Uh, well, I've been uh, down the gym um, for a few months now, back in the gym. And there was this young lad from Romania in his early 20s who I just started getting this Holy Spirit prompting, you need to reach out to this guy. And so I thought, well, Lord, how am I going to do that? Because, you know, you're in a gym, you're there to work out, you're there to, like, be focused. And I'm like, how am I going to just walk over and, like, connect with this guy without him thinking I'm weird? So I'm like, Holy Spirit, you've got to give me an, you, you've got to give me an open door here so that I can connect with him, so I can reach out to him. And I felt like the Lord saying, befriend him. So I said, okay, Lord, you've got, you've got to open the right door. And the right moment opened up. And he was just resting from, you know, doing a, a set. And so was I. And I just stepped over to him. We both looked at one another. And I said, I really admire your dedication and how consistent you are. And I just saw this guy just, like, light up. I said, what's your name? And he told me his name. And uh, I told him my name. And, you know, we, we just began to talk about, about the gym. But it started, that opening was just through encouragement. And, you know, over, over the weeks, I've been able to kind of build on that. And I felt like the Lord started giving me prophetic words for him. So he's, he's not a believer. He's not a Christian. So um, in this, uh, this week, I just said to him, I said, hey, I, I can see that you've got a business on the inside of you. And he was like, what? He said, I can see that there's, there's a gifting upon your life for business. And he was like, oh, but, you know, I'm just doing this job, and I just want a comfortable life. I, I don't really don't want any stress or pressure. I don't really want to do anything. I said, do you think that's your purpose in life, just to have a comfortable existence? When you're at the end of your life and you have your children around your bed, and, you know, do you want to, like, Say, oh, you know, this is my legacy. I lived a comfortable life. So come on, there's more in you than that. There's more in you. So I said, I, I, said, I want to ask you a question. I want to provoke you. And I said, I don't want an answer now, but I want you to come back to me. I said, if you were to launch a business, what would it be? He said, oh, I don't know. I, I, wouldn't I said, what are you passionate about? What, you know, what do you enjoy doing? So I said, I don't want an answer, but think about it. Two days ago, he comes up to me. He was buzzing. He's like, I, I know what I'll do now for like the business. I know. like, and, and he started talking about what he was passionate about, what he, was, you know, what he enjoyed in life. And he started talking in terms that was going to make a difference in humanity. I'm not just talking about making money. I'm talking about making a positive difference in the world. And he started sharing. I'm like... That's a vision. So I want to encourage you to encourage other people. Let it be part of your mission statement that every single day that you're going to encourage someone. Don't hold it back, but be generous in your encouragement. David saw the great potential in those that came to him, and he affirmed it. 
Warriors see great potential in others and they affirm it. And now remember that David was activated and awakened in his calling and destiny, wasn't he? Because of what someone else said. Who, who was that person, for those of you that have got some biblical knowledge? Who was it? Who, who spoke to, to David's life? Samuel, the prophet. Remember, when, when Samuel the prophet came to Jesse and said, I'm here to anoint the next king of Israel. Get your family together. Get your sons in because this is going to be a really significant moment. So Jesse brings all of his sons but one. Who was the one who, who got left behind? David. He was the obscure one. He was the overlooked one. He was the rejected one. The father was like, hey, you know, the next king has got to be one of my boys, but no, it's not going to be David. Let's leave him behind. But Samuel recognized the anointing. He recognized the call upon David's life, and he encouraged him. I want to ask you, who are the Davids that God has brought into your life that you're to be like Samuel to affirm the calling and the greatness that's on the Davids. Because I believe that God's calling us to be those voices, to be like Samuel, that we will activate people and awaken them in their calling and destiny and purpose. And when I think back in my own life, I think about who are those people who have affirmed God's calling in my life. And it makes a difference when we speak into the potential in other people, when we affirm other people's giftings and callings, then let's, let's move forward in that gift of encouragement. And I believe that everyone has the gift of encouragement. It's just about using it. The way that you and I perceive people will dramatically impact the way that we treat them and interact with them. Sowing belief and confidence in other people is extremely powerful and life-transforming. So if we see people as a, a problem, then how many of you know that's going to affect the way that we speak to them? It's going to affect the way that we respond around them, the way that we behave around But if we see them with promise and with potential, then that's going to cause a shift where suddenly people start to light up when they, when they come around us because we're carrying the voice of the Lord. We're allowing the anointing of God to flow and to awaken people into their calling and purpose. Let me say this, and you'll hear me say this, and this is going to be part of my life message. Everyone's a VIP. Everyone. It doesn't matter what their background is. It doesn't matter even what their beliefs are. It doesn't matter what they've come through, what... You know, sins they've committed, everyone's a VIP, loved by God, made in his image and his likeness. They are very important people to God. Jesus says that they're so important and that you're so important that he died for you and he died for them. So we must remember that wherever we go, it's not just about what happens in this building, but wherever we go, we must treat people like VIPs including the forgotten, the overlooked, the misfits, the rejects. 
This was one of the keys that David used. This was why people were so drawn to him. Because he saw people the way that God did. And he affirmed that love. God is in the business of transforming lives. Aren't you glad that God, when he looks at us, doesn't just see a load of problems, but he sees our potential? God sees in you what you might not even see in yourself. I'm reminded of the scene where Gideon, one of the judges, the great men of God in the Bible, he's in this scene where he's cowering down in a wine press. And he's really fearful and he's really anxious and, and he's terrified and hiding from the, the Midianites. And an angel shows up and says, you know, greetings, mighty man of valor. And, uh, you know, it's like Gideon's like, uh, I think you've got the wrong postcode. Uh, this is not me. Because there he was, fearful, and yet God was saying, courageous. And that's just how our God works, that he sees in us who we are called to be. We may not always be behaving that way or speaking that way or living, but that's who we are. And because of that word that was spoken to Gideon, he was activated in his destiny, his calling, his purpose, and he moved forward to advance in his inheritance. Let's have a look at a few other passages of Scripture. First Chronicles 12, 21, 22. It says, And they helped David against the band of raiders, for they were all mighty men of valor. And remember, they didn't start out behaving that way. But this is what they started to walk in. They were all mighty men of valor, and they were captains in the army. For at that time, they came to David day by day to help him until it was a great army like the army of God. So here we see that many of these so-called nobodies became known as mighty men of valor and were triumphant in battle. There was a transformation that took place. First Chronicles 12, 38 says this, And these men of war who could keep ranks came to Hebron with a loyal heart to make David king over all Israel, and all the rest of Israel were one mind to make David king. So here we see, because David believed in them, they believed in him. Their hearts became entwined, connected, and many of these Men became loyal soldiers that would help David move into the fullness of his destiny and calling. We cannot step into the fullness of our potential alone. We need one another. And we must never underestimate the power of associations. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't underestimate the power of association. So let's have a look at a few of these scriptures here as we drill into kind of that power of association. Proverbs 13, 20 says this, walk with the wise and become wise, associate with fools and get in trouble. So who do you spend most of your time associating with? 
what category would they fall into? Never underestimate the power of association. Who you are connected to, who you spend time with can have a tremendous influence and impact on what you do and who you become. Let's have a look at a few other scriptures to back this up. Acts 4.13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Deuteronomy 34.9 says this, Now Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hand upon him. Thank God for spiritual fathers. Thank God for spiritual mothers. And I believe, and this is something you guys can help support, support me in, we need to pray for more spiritual mothers and fathers in this church. And we need to pray for more spiritual grandmothers and grandfathers in this church. Because as, as the younger ones are coming in, we need those role models. We need those examples. We need, we need that experience. We need those giftings to affirm for the Samuels to activate and awaken the Davids into their calling and purpose. Let's have a look at an example. This is more of a bad example of the power of association, but working for a more of a negative. 1 Kings 11, verse 4. For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. It's, it's really interesting, isn't it, that Solomon was given the gift of wisdom, and yet he wasn't applying it. And if you know anything about Solomon, it, he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Wow. That, how many of you know that's not wise? <laughs> You, 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 can have, you can have wisdom, but that doesn't mean that you're walking in it and that you're using it. And here we see, because he was so carnally driven, that he missed out on walking in the fullness of all that God had for him. Because the power of association turned his heart away from God towards other idols. John Maxwell says this, he says, Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. So who we spend time with is really important. Those who we surround ourselves will either help us or hinder us. David was faithful in the small and so God knew that he could give him more. David spent time. Remember, our development often comes when no one else is looking. David spent time tending the sheep when it was just him and a starry sky. Yet he was faithful when no one else saw. He fought lions and bears when no one else saw. It wasn't on a public platform. It wasn't on social media. It, it was not in the public eye. It wasn't in the newspaper. They weren't announcing it on the radio. But there he was being faithful to lay down his life behind the scenes. He endured a dysfunctional family situation in which he was obscure, overlooked, hidden, seen as the runt of the pack, 
Let me say this. Sometimes God allows us to go through seasons where we have negative experiences so that we will be able to identify and minister to others who have been through something similar. Sometimes our misery can be converted into a powerful ministry. Coming through difficult times will help you connect at a deeper level with a much wider audience. So I want to say whatever struggles you've ever been through, if you give it to God, it can be really valuable. So if you've been through grief, and I know that in this season a lot of people have been through grief, you've been through loss, you can use it to help other people that are going through grief and loss. You can be a voice of hope and blessing and strength and life. If you've been through sickness, if you've been through something maybe physically or, you know, or mentally, you can use that to help other people that are battling sickness. If you've been through financial difficulties, you can use that too to minister and to help other people. You see, God says in his word that he gives us his beauty for our ashes. And when we've been through stuff, it has a way of humbling us, but also helping us so that we can use it to help other people. So you're not helping from a place of, oh, well, it says this in the textbook, but you're helping from a place of experience. You say, I've been through, I know what it's like. just as we're coming into a land. Warriors don't skip vital steps in, the tra- in their training and development. So there are key steps for us to take as we grow, as we develop. I don't know if you've ever seen the, the, the film Karate Kid. Anyone else seen that? Great movie. And, you know, there's that whole wax on, wax off. You know, Daniel just wants to fight. Dunn. He's like, just let me get in there. I want to do, you know, get on the stage and be seen. And Mr. Miyagi's like, no, 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 no. You, you, there's, some, there's some development we have to go through here. And, and in our walk with God, sometimes he gets us doing that kind of wax on, wax off sort of stuff. Well, we've got to go through a process of learning, of development. And quite often it's behind the scenes. Quite often it's in obscurity. But I want to say this, it's never behind the scenes with God because he sees everything. So he's always watching, he's always looking. Warriors see discipline as a friend to embrace, not a threat to be avoided. You know, we're called to be disciples and a disciple is a disciplined follower. How many of you know that sometimes in life we have to do things that we don't want to do? If you do housework... I'm pretty sure that most people in the room and watching online probably don't love housework. Some of you do, I know. But most people say, I don't really enjoy it, but I have to do it. It's important. I was chatting with a friend recently, and, and, and you know, uh, he's a, a guy that I'm just doing a bit of discipleship with, and he was, he was saying that basically he reads this Bible when he feels like it, but he doesn't when he doesn't. And, I, and this guy loves the gym. He loves to work out. And I say, do you always feel like working out? He's like, no, of course not. Loads of times, I don't feel like it. But I do it because I know it's going to benefit me. I said, aha. 
And this is how it is sometimes in our walk with the Lord. I don't always feel like reading my Bible. Confession time's a pastor. But I do it because I'm committed. I do it because I know it's going to benefit me. I do it because I know it's going to help me. So there's elements for us as believers that sometimes we have to do things that we don't want to do in order that we can grow and advance. Now, just as we're coming into a land around David, I want to say this, that he had an empowered perspective to see things in a very different way. Because when he came into that battlefield and others were carrying away in fear, David saw a great opportunity. Let me say this. The best thing that ever happened to David was Goliath. Let me say that again, because that's deep and that's powerful. And if you get it, it can change your life. The best thing that ever happened to David was Goliath. Because actually, Goliath represented his greatest promotion. And I want to say to you, what difference in your life would it make if rather than seeing the giants that you're currently facing as an obstacle to be avoided... What difference would it make if you started to embrace it and say, hang on, this is the greatest opportunity of my life to grow and to advance and to walk in the fullness of all that God has for me. You see, it's about perspective. Your perspective will either cause you to sink or to soar. So I want to encourage you because for some of you, you're resisting the very thing that God has allowed and brought into your environment, into your life to help you grow and to go higher. So I think that's a very appropriate point for us to to come into a land on. Should we stand to our feet and I'm going to pray for you that God would just really minister through his word and that we, would, that we would begin to walk in these things, these principles that God is showing to us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that Jesus conquered the giant of sin in our lives and you overcame the grave, you overcame death, you overcame darkness and Satan. We thank you that Jesus, you are victorious. You are the greatest warrior of all. You are victorious, and because you have the victory, we too can have the victory as we partner with you. So, God, we thank you for that, and we just pray that, Lord God, that we would learn these lessons from your scriptures, Lord. Help us, Lord, because we know it's not enough just to have head knowledge. We've got to walk in it. We've got to live it out. So, Father, we just pray that, Lord, as as those mighty men's hearts were connected with David, we pray that our hearts would be connected with you, our King, King of the universe. And we pray, Lord God, that you would help us to see other people the way that you do, Lord God. We pray that, Lord, that there will be a perspective shift in our lives, that, Lord, where we have maybe run away from the Goliaths, we've, we've avoided uh, the, the opposition in our lives. Lord, I pray 
may the fear be turned into excitement. That we're excited to step into the fullness of all that you have for us. Lord, may we not be intimidated or, or scared off by any giants, but may we triumphantly walk forward in the power of your might and your strength. And Father, may we see the opportunities that we have to advance the armies of God. We thank you for this time, Lord God, in your presence. And we just say, Lord, we love you. And we want to know you more. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you all.